If you have your scriptures, open up to Matthew chapter 22. Um, my official title of this message is Love God, Love People. But at the end of the message, I'll give you my unofficial title. How's that? Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 through 40 says this. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and gathered themselves together, one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, and on these two commandments depends the whole law and the prophets. You say, David... I think you've preached a message on this not too long ago. I did. I love this verse. This verse right here, these six verses are, are, are so essential in my life. It's a foundation of who I am. Because the first pur- purpose or the first thing here is to love God. Right? And then it commands us to love people. Now, today as we kind of go through this, you saw a 2,000, 20,000 foot approach on discipleship about three weeks ago when I preached. And in that, we talked about how we gain knowledge and our obedience has to come up to our knowledge. If we only gain knowledge without obedience, we will find ourselves legalistic. We will find ourselves arrogant. We will show how much we know, but yet, when we stand before the throne of God, He will say to us, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. If you only are a hearer of the word and not a doer also. And so today, I want to take one simple passage, what's so profound, and I want to take the knowledge of it and then ask us to get our obedience up to par with the knowledge of this here. So we're going to basically go off of last time I preached, and we're going to just let it kind of flow into this week. And so when you read this scripture, you see two things. One, you see love God, and the second thing you see is love your neighbor or love people. But whenever I think about loving God, it takes me to 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says this, We love because He first loved us. Now, who is He? There you go, God. Let's try that again. Who is He? Awesome. I love the participation. So in 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. And so when I began to think and pray and chew on that, the Lord said, David, there might be people in the room who may not understand the love of God. And see, we can't love until we understand and grasp the love of our Father, of our Heavenly Father. So the Lord took me to the scripture that everybody has memorized, John 3.16. So let's recite John 3.16 together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now I want you to think about that scripture. Think about that for a second. God so loved the world that he gave his son. I'm reminded of a, of a, of a video, and I showed it to you uh, about a year ago on a Sunday night, so not expecting anybody to remember it. But it was, a, it was a story of a guy who was a drawbridge conductor. Like basically he let the drawbridge go up and down. And when the train comes, he had to make sure the drawbridge was down. And when the train was not there and boats needed to go through, it was op- open. 
Um, for those that are in the younger generation, go look up what a drawbridge is when you get home, uh, and you'll figure that out. We used to have one here in Mobile, but they took it away. And the father also loved his son. He had a son that he cared so much about, and he would take him to work with him, and he would spend time with him, and he would love on his son. And he would bring him to work, and his son got to learn about the trains. He got to learn about the people on the trains. And he got to learn about how the whole bridge system worked. But one day when the bridge was up, his son was playing around, and he saw a little hole, and he went to look in it. And what it was is is there was a system in there that had the gears that go for for the bridge. And as the son's being a young six, seven, eight-year-old kid and being very uh, just wants to know and, and wants to know what's going on, he looks in and finds himself falling into the gear shifts. And all of a sudden, here comes this train with the bridge open. And in that moment, the father had to make a choice. Do I allow this train going full steam ahead to crash off this bridge and possibly, more than likely, kill every person on that train? Or do I pull the lever to close the bridge, knowing that the gears would crush his son? And in that moment, in this story, the father in agony finally pulls the lever knowing that his son would pass away in order to save all the people that were on that train. And as the train goes by, you see the father literally just crying and weeping just over the loss. And the people in the train have no idea what it just cost for them to have life in that moment. That's the love of our Heavenly Father. The fact that he would send his son, and i got to be honest with you, and I've shared that with some people before, and they've said to me, David, I think that a train would have lost, a people on a train would have lost their life if my son would have fallen into that hole. And i got to be honest with you, I have no idea what I would do in that situation. Because I love my son that much, Samuel. But see, God loved us enough that He gave His only Son, knowing that He would go to the cross, even though we had turned our back on Him, He still loved us enough that He would send His Son to the cross, that we may have life, that we could be saved. That we could be saved from the evil one, Satan, who so quickly tries to deceive us, to keep us, from accepting Christ and trusting Him as our Lord and Savior. Just a few weeks ago, I preached a sermon on, on, on hell, and I don't like to do that. I, I, I literally wept when I went home. Because I was like, that is, I, just even thinking about it is, is just, it just, it breaks my heart. And as we were walking out, I, I, I pulled Brother Fred off to the side, and we talked, and I said, here's what God spoke to me tonight. He said that for Satan, there's nothing for him to gain for anyone to go to hell except for the fact to spite God. Which means that people who don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior are just being used as a pawn in his evil way to spite God. But on the other hand, God sent his son to die. Now I don't know about y'all, but which would you choose? Who do you want to follow? 
a Savior who would send His Son, a God who would send His Son to die that we may have life, or one who just uses us as a pawn in order to try to spite the one who loved us. That's the love of the Father. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, it, it, it says it this way. It says, But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. That's what it says. Even though we were dead, He sent His Son. That's the love of the Father. So for you to understand how to love God and how to love people, you must first understand the love of our Heavenly Father. That He would send His Son to die that we may have life. But then here comes the, the obedience part of this. So what does it look like to love God? We understand that for God to love us, or with God loving us, that He's given His Son to die. Like He gave the ultimate sacrifice in His Son for us to have life. We understand that He loves us unconditionally, even though we're sinners. And so the question is, is, is what does it look like for us to love Christ, to love God? So let's go to John 14, verse 15. Chapter 14, verse 15. It says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In 2 John, verse 6, which is 2 John, chapter 1, verse 6, but there's only one chapter, so 2 John, verse 6, it says, And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. And also in verse, 1 John chapter 4, 20 and 21, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. You want to know how to love God? You begin to study and learn the commandments and the word, the, 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 the understanding, the, the principles, the precepts of God's word, and you follow them. You obey his word. You walk in, in truth of the scripture. And there's several things that we could go into today, but the biggest one I want you to see is loving people. Because see, it says to love God, and the second is like it, to love people, love your neighbor. So you say, David, how do, I, um, how do I love God? How do I show God my love? It's not just a profession of, hey, I love God. Anybody can say that. But there's an act of obedience that walks with that, that shows God, it shows our true love for Him. Because it says love for God equals obedience to His commandments. In the book of James, it says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word also. This is where that whole thing that we talked about of knowledge and now obedience has to connect the two. So let's look at it this way. So we see the love of the Father. We see that He gave an unconditional love. We see that He sent His Son. And we see that if we're going to love God with all of our heart, we lay down our life and we pick up our cross that may be heavy at some times and we follow in obedience to His commands. So, in Matthew chapter 22, what does it say at the end? It says that the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. In verse 39. 
So what we see here is, is that for us to walk in obedience in this command, we must truly love our neighbor. Now, I want you to understand that loving your neighbor, loving people is difficult. You say, why is it so difficult, David? Because we have something called the flesh, called the self. And we long to fulfill our self and our flesh. And so for us to truly understand loving people, we must obey God by seeking His kingdom and His kingdom alone. In Matthew 6.10, we see uh, the, the Jesus giving what we call uh, the Lord's Prayer. And i got to be honest with you, I, I don't have a problem with us reciting the Lord's Prayer. I don't have a problem with people uh, saying the Lord's Prayer together, but I don't want it to be a traditional thing. I don't think that the Lord said, just pray this prayer and everything is okay. I think that it's something that it needs to be our heart, it needs to be our cry, it needs to be what's really deep down inside of us. And in Matthew 6.10, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Later down in chapter 6, it says, it says, Seek ye first, in Matthew 36, 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So let me ask you a question. What is God's kingdom focused on? There's two things that's going to last forever. What is it? The Word of God and what? The souls of men. So what is God's kingdom about? It's about the souls of men. It's about saving. It's about bringing, and not us, Christ through us and people coming to know Christ. That's what the kingdom of God is. Right? And so we want God's kingdom in heaven on earth. So how do we do that? It says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. How do we do that? We become kingdom focused, which means we are focused on the souls of men. Let me ask you a question, and souls of men and women. Let me ask you this question. Yesterday, how much time did you spend thinking about the souls of men? It's quiet. And I understand yesterday was a big football day. But in the grand scheme of eternity, what really matters? I'm not trying to convict anybody. That's not me to do it. But that just happened yesterday. It's just relevant. So the question is, let's go back to Friday. On Friday, what was, how much did we think about the souls of men? One of our prayers has been in staff, God, put a passion and a hunger in our heart for the lost. It has been, God, just, just break us. And I think that's why I wept and wept and wept over preaching a message on hell. Because we've been praying, God, just give us a God-sized passion for the lost. And so let me just be real with you for a second. If we're going to be focused on God's kingdom, then we're focused in on the Word of God. And the Word of God also tells us to love people, to love souls, to, to go and share the gospel, the truth. And so let's just go back to that question. In the last week or the last month, how much time did you think about the souls of men? Now let me just give you this real quick. We have nothing to do with salvation. I've heard people say before, man, this person was an incredible evangelist because he saw over 100,000 people come to know Christ. I was like, man, that's awesome. But let me just tell you something. Your success in evangelism is not about the number of people who come to know Christ. Some people may say, whoa, hold up, David. 
That don't sound right. What was God's command for us to do? To share. What was God's command for us to do? Go and share the gospel. Go and take the gospel to the nations, right? Did he command us go and, and, and save somebody? Uh-uh. You know why? Because you can't do it. Praise God. Only he can do it. So you want to be successful in evangelism? Then go share the gospel and you'll be successful. Because that's the command he's given you. Now, let me ask you, let's put it this way. You got two people here, and on, one's a pastor, and on Sunday mornings he always shares the gospel. Praise God, he needs to. And he sees a whole bunch of people come to know Christ, but then there's a person over here, and, and every day they're sharing the gospel with people through their life and through their words. They're sharing the gospel every day, but they only see a few people come to know Christ in their lifetime. Who was successful? They're both successful, but this person right here has poured day in and day out. And that's where we should be at. I want to take the burden off your shoulders in evangelism that I think that is a false belief system that we've created and allowed the evil one to speak into our ear that you're successful only if you see a large number of people come to know Christ. You are successful and walking in obedience when you share the gospel. Jesus does the rest. And let me just tell you something. Each person has to answer before God, not you. Each person has to answer before God about what they heard through the sharing of the gospel. You don't have to answer for that person. I think maybe that will also change a little bit of our focus on people instead of sitting there trying to, to just, you know, push and just, I mean, you got, you got to get this, you got to get this. And it's almost like I'm just trying to get another number on, on my notch to say, look at how many people came. And, and we go and we love people. Here's the difference. God spoke this to me as I was sitting here this morning. He said, David, when you go in arrogance... And you go to try to gain some type of approval by man to say, look at how many people. And you go and do this out of arrogance, you, people will always feel condemned. But when you go in humility, and you say, here I am, and this is where I used to be. And only by the grace and the blood of the Lamb am I saved. Only by Christ alone. Hey, I used to be right where you're at. But God saved me. And you walk in humility, guess what happens? People feel the love of God and not the condemnation of you. It's not you saying, man, I can't believe you, you got you to get this. You got to learn this. But instead, we walk in humility. We speak the truth of who we once were. We share our testimony with them. And guess what happens? They see the love of God in our life and it pours over into them. Amen. That's why if you're going to love God, it's going to push us in obedience to love people. But we have to seek his kingdom and not our own kingdom. And I think what has taken place is, is that we've lost our priority a little bit and we just live life. We just go throughout life, throughout the motions, here and there, just, just, just go and do. And we forget that the whole purpose for our day today was to bring glory to the name of Jesus. And let me just share with you something. Evangelism, the focus of evangelism is not the lost. Everybody's like, uh-oh. The focus of evangelism is the glory of God. The object of evangelism is the lost. Now if you could get that in your mind and begin to think about that, the focus of your day is the glory of God. The object of your day is what you're doing. The focus of, of your life 
is not about where you can get in life and all these different things that you can do. The focus is to bring glory to God. And here's why. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it says, whatever then you eat or drink, and I understand that that's talking about previous, but then it says, or whatever you do, you do all for the glory of God. The whole reason we're here today is to bring glory to the name of Jesus. If it's anything else, we've missed it. The whole reason that we evangelize is to bring glory to the name of God. If we're doing it for any other reason, we've missed it. And you say, well, David, it is about the lost. I totally agree. And guess what happens when the lost sees Jesus and, and they lay their life down on the throne and, the, and they, they lay their life down, the blood of the Lamb covers them and, and they're reborn. Guess what happens? All glory goes to God because you didn't do it. They didn't do it. God did it. And all glory goes to the king. And the king alone. Praise God. This morning as I'm up here, I pray that all you see is the glory of God and not me. Because that's my focus. Let me just restate that so you can hear it. You might want to write it down. The focus of evangelism, but you can put anything there. The focus is not... The object, the focus is the glory of God. The object is whatever you're doing. The object is the lost in evangelism. That took me a few minutes to really chew on that, but it's so true. Now, how do we love people? We love them the way Christ did. Guess what Christ did? Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. I love Philippians 2. One of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. And it says this. We're going to go back to 3 and 4. Let's skip straight to 5 for a second. This is what Christ did. Have the attitude which is also in Christ, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of God. Being found in the appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You know what Jesus did to love people? He humbled himself. He humbled himself. He showed love by humbling himself and going to the cross. I believe that God wants us to show love to people by humbling ourselves and putting people even above our own desires. You want to know why I say that? Go back two verses in Philippians chapter 2 to verse 3. It says this. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind... Regard others, regard one another as more important than yourself. Let me read that again. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Let me just, say, let me just help you understand that. It's no longer my desires, it's God's desires because I'm kingdom focused and not my kingdom focused. Right? Isn't that what we just talked about? It's no longer about my kingdom. It's about God's kingdom. And God's kingdom says go and share the gospel with souls of men. And so I'm laying down my desires. I'm laying down my hopes and dreams. And I'm picking up what God has in store for me. And I know that whatever he has in store for me is going to take me in front of people. And I'm going to share the gospel. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourself. 
Look at verse 4. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. I call this, and this is my unofficial title, I call this the I'm third lifestyle. Let me tell you something. People love to be around people who live the I'm third lifestyle. Love it. Like, you are going to want to be around somebody who lives the I'm third lifestyle. You know why? Because they're intentionally focused on you. I see this in this scripture as the I'm third lifestyle. That doesn't mean that you don't pour into yourself first. It doesn't mean that, that you go and, and, and focus on people so much that you neglect your study of the word and being poured into people. You can't pour into people if you're not allowing God to pour into you first. So don't be misconceived by me saying the I'm third lifestyle and that like says, okay, David, I don't have to go and study the scripture because I need to go be with people. I need to go be relational. Let me tell you something. If you're not in Scripture and studying the Word and seeking Him first, as it says in Matthew 6, 33, if you're not seeking Him first, let me tell you what will happen when you're around people. You will fall. You will stumble. You'll find yourself in sin. But it says here in verse 3 and verse 4, to think of others more than yourself. The I'm third lifestyle, I call it this. God first, others second, and yourself third. Some of y'all are like, whoa, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. I'm just telling you what the scripture says here. Because see, God has called us to be kingdom focused and not our own kingdom focused. He's called us to go love people. We only get one chance at it. It's called our life. The dash in between your birth and your death. That's the opportunity. That's the time where we get to love people in obedience to the command that God has called us. Like we're simply just being obedient to God's command that he said in Matthew chapter 22. Love God, love people, unconditionally. And so he says, think of other people more than yourself. To obey this command, we must lay down self-ambitions and think of kingdom work. We must focus in on kingdom work if we're going to do that. Our love for God Will, will lead us to obedience to bring glory to His name through loving people. Our obedience to God will lead us to walk in obedience by loving people. Now, let me just share with you, loving people is not just throwing money at a situation. Because when, when I'm talking about loving people, I'm not, I'm not even talking about anything financial. I'm talking about here intentional time. I heard somebody once say, and I love this person dearly, this is a great quote. They said, David, you can make all the money in the world, but you can't get any time back. They said, David, you can make all the money in the world, but it'll cost you all your time to get it. You know what God's telling us here? God's speaking to us and saying that we need to be relational, evangelistic, throughout our community by giving of our time. Putting other people above ourselves. Thinking of other people. Why do I weep whenever I think about hell? Because people are dying and going to hell. And I want to go love them and share the gospel with them. So the scripture shows us all of this. And the scripture shows us that we must love people. It shows us that we must put people before ourselves. When it comes to our selfish desires and our selfish plans. But the only way we do that is by seeking his kingdom and his kingdom alone. 
And so today I wanted to just share with you a few practical ideas of how we can love people. I want to just take just a few minutes and just share some practical ideas of how we can love people. Number one, we love people where they're at. Don't expect people just to show up on a Sunday morning at Luke 4.18 when they don't even know Jesus. They probably say, well, well, that's a whole day that I can spend getting my yard together or getting some sleep or some rest. And, and I don't blame them. If you've worked all day and you have no desire, you don't understand God as your Lord and Savior, why would you desire to come to church on a Sunday morning? Let me tell you why somebody would desire to come to church on a Sunday morning. Because the body of Christ loved on them throughout the week. Amen. One of the practical ways that we can love people is by being where people are. Going to where they are and loving them. You say, David, what does that mean? Well, let's see. You got people at your job. Brother Fred talked about it last week. You got people at your school, right? You got people um, at at the gas station up here that you may go to. You got people at the, uh, everybody's got to get groceries, right? I mean, looks like everybody's gotten groceries um, uh, over the last week. Uh, everybody's gotten groceries, right? I meant that because you're alive. It takes food to live. I didn't mean that for another reason. <laughs> but you go to these places, and let me ask you a question. Are you intentionally kingdom focused that those are souls walking around at the grocery store? Or are they just another person to you? Let me tell you something. When you begin to become intentionally focused that people are souls that God wants us to love, you're going to change your tone of voice when a telemarketer calls you. Because guess what? That's a soul on the other side of that line. And I'm guilty. For me, it's not telemarketers. It's whenever I call a business because they charge me an extra $5. And my business degree kind of kicks in and I start saying all the right words and raising my voice a little bit. And every time that happens, I get off the phone and I fall on my face and have to repent. And after doing this study, now I know why. It's because God's saying that's a soul and you're supposed to love them. Hey, let me just tell you something. This doesn't mean, this doesn't mean that, that, that you sit there and say, please walk all over me, business. It doesn't mean like telemarketers call me at midnight. It doesn't mean that we can't tell people, hey, you know, you don't, please put me on your do not call list. But what it means is, is that we're going to realize that our response needs to be out of the love of God and out of the love of Christ. Another way that we can be, that we can practically love people is we can go to the same place. Think about this for a second. There's a CVS right here on the corner. And I go there every time I got to go to a drugstore. You want to know why? Because I want to know those people. I know every one of them by name now. Because it's the same place I go. I've invited them all here. And I pray that someday some of them will come. Who knows? They may even be watching uh, via the internet today. But I go there intentionally because I want to see the same people. Sometimes I go to CVS and it takes me 45 minutes just because I'm hearing what's going on in their life. Sometimes we're in such a hurry that somebody may be hurting and broken and they have, you have an opportunity to hear and, and express the love of God to them, but yet we're in such a hurry we've got to keep going. I've already shared this with you a hundred times, but, but let me just go back to uh, Jesus and Lazarus. Lazarus. She was in a hurry. Hey, Jesus, you got to get here. He's dying. Hey, hurry. And Jesus is like taking his time. 
She was in such a hurry, but all she would have seen was a healing. But because Jesus took his time and got there, she got to see a resurrection. And so maybe, just maybe, we need to be a little bit flexible. Right? Now that doesn't mean that you break your promises and commitments. But I think that we should go to places over and over with the intentional purpose of letting somebody constantly see the love of Jesus in our life. But let me just tell you something. Relational evangelism and loving people does not give you an a, a out on speaking the gospel. See, here's where people go to the other side. Some people don't like knocking on doors, and some people don't like relational. And, you know, and, and here's the thing in the middle. If you get to the point where all you're doing is building relationships, but then you never share the gospel with them, and you say, well, well you know, the old saying, right? What does the saying say? Um, it, it says, uh, you know, share the gospel to them day and night, scream at them the gospel, and if all else fails, use words. Y'all probably heard that. Great understanding that our life should be an example of the gospel, but the scripture commands us to speak the gospel. It even says, how will they hear if nobody speaks? The scripture commands us, so we're actually walking into disobedience if all we do is say, I'm building a relationship to share the gospel, but never share the gospel. Oh man, the Lord two weeks ago broke me over this. For seven years, I've been pouring into my neighbors. I run. And as I run, I stop to speak. Oh, and by the way, that's another practical way just to love on people. When you're running in your neighborhood and somebody's out in their yard, why don't you stop and speak to them? You may say, well, David, it's like I got my best PR going. That's like personal record. Man, I got my best time going. Do you realize, David, that if you stop in the middle of a run, you can't get back going? I get all that, but let me tell you something. Your PR and your run has nothing to do with the fact that somebody else's soul is on the balance. In the grand scheme of eternity, my PR is, is God ain't going to have like records over here with David Bullock. He ran an Ironman. No, they ain't going to be up there. But the friendships and the people that I met along the way, their souls will either be in heaven or hell. And so are we sharing the gospel. And so as I run, I, I stop and I speak. And I start loving on people. And the Lord just broke me the other day. He said, David... You've been pouring in. You know, I know almost, I know half the people in my neighborhood, and it's a pretty big neighborhood. He said, how many times have you shared the gospel? How many times have you spoken the gospel? Brother Fred was with me, and I confessed. And the Lord told me, he said, you need to pray for divine appointments. We're sitting on a Tuesday morning at staff, and the Lord said, why aren't you praying for divine appointments? Because a great example was used, you know, like if you go to a, a CVS to the drugstore and, and there's this big line of people, you know, and you feel like you want to share with the, the, the pharmacist, but yet all these people in line and we begin to say, okay, God's showing us to pray for divine appointments. And so I confess, God, for seven years I've loved on my neighbors and I've never actually spoken. I've shared with them. I have spoken to some, but not all my neighbors. And so the Lord just put on my heart, you need to pray for divine appointments. And let me tell you something, it was no less than five days later we had a divine appointment that I cannot even describe I mean I looked at brother Fred and I said if that ain't, that's the, one of the biggest divine appointments I've ever seen in my life 
all within five days of just getting on my face. You know where it started was humility and having a love for people. Let me just share with you this. Continue to go to the same place and let people see that you love God. I have a friend who moved and drove several hours to go get his hair cut because he was sharing the love of Jesus with that person. That might cost you a little extra money to get in the car and drive a couple hours to get your hair cut. But see, he understood that his life today was an intentional focus on the souls of men to share the gospel of Jesus by loving them. And the only way he knew to love people was how God loved him. I want to challenge you to get to know people. In this day and time where it's called social media and everybody's on their phones, there ain't nothing social about it. Let me tell you what social media is. Advertise my life so I don't have to speak to you. Let me tell you everything that's going on via social media so I don't have to talk to you. Now I understand that social media is not in and of itself bad. I get that. But in a decade of of just unbelievable social media everywhere, you would think that we would be socially connected and we are the most disconnected than we've ever been. Students, I think that you would attest to that. Put the phone down and get to know people. I can't tell you how many times I've walked in the store and I'm doing this and I walk into something. I mean, I have literally walked into cars before in a parking lot texting I don't text and drive. And just for your record, don't do it. Um, And if you ever text me while I'm driving, you will get a text back that says, David is driving and he'll text you later. I have an auto response on there. But I will literally, like, we got to put our phones down, our selfish desires, our focus needs to not be just on us and what we can do today and getting our life done today. Our focus needs to be on people and loving people. If we're not, then we're not walking in obedience of the command that God's called us. See, too often we're waiting for this big, awesome moment of we're going to do this outreach and everybody's going to come and we're going to ask everybody to come to the church and it's going to be a one day and everybody will show up and it'd be awesome. And I have no problem with that. But God's called you every day to love people, every moment to love people, every moment to share the gospel. But we have to be intentional to go forth and do that. So we've got to pray for divine appointments. We've got to spend time getting to know people. I want to share this with you. This is so cool. Another practical way is focus in on leaving things behind. You say, what do you mean, David? In Genesis chapter 21, verse 33, Abraham plants a tree. Now, I'm not going all green on you right here, I promise. But Abraham plants a tree. And I want you to understand that in him planting this tree... The tree that he planted, when you actually look at what type of tree he planted, it was actually a tree that would not give off any use for about two generations. He plants it in an area that God's promised that the nation of Israel would have. So what does Abraham do? In faith, he plants something that he would never gain any benefit for. Knowing that he was leaving it behind... That when people came, and by the way, this is one of the most precious trees because it had so much use for it. And so let me ask you something. You're sitting here and, and let's, say, let's say you're older. That means you're older than me. That means you're 33 or above. Um, 
if you're older and you're sitting in here today and you're sitting here and you're saying, Dave, I just don't know, like I'm loving people, but man, maybe God's calling you to disciple a young person to pour into them for the next generation. Can I just tell you right here at Luke 4.18, we are so blessed to have so many people who are, have been walking with Christ for so long and have been so faithful and know the truth and literally have just, I mean, you are like, I mean, I feel like I am preaching to the great cloud of witnesses. And so the question, will you invest into a younger person knowing that ultimately it's for God's kingdom and it's to be used for the next generation? This church, Luke 4.18, I really believe that this is a tree like Abraham that's been planted that will be used for generations and generations to come. For people to find healing. For people to find the love of the Father. For people to find truth and for people to come and for lives to be radically changed. And so is that you. For you to be able to do this means you got to love God unconditionally. You have to understand the love of the Father who sent His Son You must accept Him as your Lord and Savior and you must love God, which means you will keep His commandments. And today we just went over one and that's to be obedient to love people. And because of your love of the Father, it allows you to lay down your selfish desires, yourself. It allows you to lay it down and focus on what God wants you to focus on, which is the souls of men and the Word of God. And then we just talked about practical ways. Just being intentional in your your day. I love what, what people in our church, they'll, they'll, they'll leave stuff behind that has the, the gospel on it so that somebody may come by and see it. But the question is, are you living the I'm third lifestyle or is your focus, is your day so fast that you don't even know what lifestyle you're living? I want to leave you with this story. This is a true story. There was a guy by the name of little Johnny. When John was a young boy, he was at a, at a Christian camp, one that I love to death, Canacook Camps. And before I share that story, let me just tell you something. Each of you in this room who's been a part of my life, and I'm 32 years old now, and Canacook Camps, y'all in Canacook have literally been the tree that Abraham planted, and I'm the product of it. And so I thank you. But there was a guy named John, young kid, and he grew up at Canacook just going as a kid, and he learned about the I'm third lifestyle. Philippians chapter 2, think of others more than yourself. Love God, love people. And he grew up, and he, he just really, that, that's, that's what he, he was all about. He was all about loving God and loving people, the I'm third lifestyle. And, and, and as he grew up, people loved to be around him. Why? Because... That was his lifestyle. And who doesn't want to be around somebody like that? He ends up playing football in college. Then going off and and having a a great career in the military. And he ended up being one of the best pilots. And he he would fly the Thunderbirds. I had to go online and really like look at the Thunderbirds. But man, those are some crazy planes. Some awesome planes. Well, there was a group of them that kind of created what we would know as the Blue Angels, but there was a group of, of basically, uh, they would go and share before people just what these planes could do. All of his friends 
in the military would say, you know, Johnny really put other people way before himself. They always said he was the, the person we wanted to be around because he loved people. One day in Dayton, Ohio, they're, show, they're doing an air performance and they begin to hit the, the, the burners with the smoke and they create, all four of them create a Florida Lee. It means two goes up with the smoke and then two of them go off to the right and left and smoke coming behind. Johnny was 33 years old. As his plane goes off, it begins to have a malfunction, a mechanical malfunction. It's been said, and I don't know if this is true, but it's been said that in his plane was a card that said, I'm third. That's how he lived his life. And as his plane began to have this mechanical malfunction, he finds himself hearing from his his head commander saying, eject, eject. Which you know with one push of a button, it would open up, he would fly out and parachute, and he'd be okay. But what Johnny saw is, is that his plane was headed in to a suburb area where there was houses. And he knew that if he bailed out on this plane, he would live. But if he didn't stay in this plane, that it would crash into houses and people would die. Johnny living the I'm third lifestyle, putting people above himself, holds on to the rudder as hard as he can, being a muscular guy because playing football brings it just over a house and into a backyard. Nobody was injured that day but Johnny. John T. Ferrier passed away that day, putting other people before himself. They say the blast actually knocked over a lady and her son. He gave his life because he loved people. His whole focus and everything he did was about other people. You know, it even says in Scripture, no greater love than this, he would lay down his life. Let me ask you this question. Do you love God? Are you going to keep his commandment to love people? I pray that today your focus has changed. And that your focus now is that every moment of every day I am called to be relational and to love people and to speak the gospel to them and to pray for divine appointments. Because if not, our focus so quickly becomes on ourselves.